Iceland is a country of sharp contrasts, where dark winter nights are offset by a sleepless summer sun, where fire and ice coexist, and where a dramatic landscape and insular existence support folklore and informs a vibrant culture. Are the elves living inside these castles? I mean, there is something called the elf church there. Yes. And there's uh, also something called the palace square. We set out exploring Iceland aboard the Ocean Diamond, the small cruise ship of Pro Cruises Iceland. Captain Hervé Parage and expedition leader Dorothy Hippel guided us through Iceland's history and waters that were being stirred by remnants of Hurricane Durian. After three days of sailing from Iceland's southwest to its northeast, we disembarked and loaded up in a van with eight journalists from Germany and our guide, Ose Hamansson, where he drove us across Iceland in search of trolls, elves, mud puds, and thermal baths. Join us as we circumnavigate Iceland on World Footprints with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. Iceland is home to the largest glaciers in Europe, as well as some of the world's most active volcanoes. The country is widely known as the land of fire and ice. We set sail on Pro Cruise's Iceland ship, Ocean Diamond, to explore Iceland's dramatic landscape and cultural tradition. On board were other journalists from Germany, over 100 guests from around the world, and our expedition leader, Dorothy Hippel. We're on board the Ocean Diamond here in, give us the name of the town. Isafjörður. Isafjörður. You are an uh, expedition leader with Iceland Pro Cruises. What does that entail? What does that involve? Okay, in expedition leading is involved that uh, you take care of the whole team around you. So we have an expedition team on board. So, well, I guess the name leader gives it away. You're on head of this, so you're planning on like who's guiding which tours, looking after your team, but it's also being in contact with the people on the ship as well, the hotel department, the deck department, like the yeah captain and everybody steering the vessel. So you're a bit coordinating everything and making everything go together. So first one up in the morning on the bridge to see if arrival time fits, preparing for excursions. Yeah, all kind of organization around it. Now, your company, Iceland Pro Cruises, is really trying to provide travelers with an authentic Iceland experience as a way to distinguish your company from others out here. Uh, speak to that. What does that uh, mean and how is that reflected in the product that you provide to travelers? So starting um, maybe by the team, we try to have, even though we have a bit of an international team and our expedition team, people who are in a way connected to Iceland. So if you look at our team now, we have Icelanders who's been guiding also on land before. So have a long yeah, time being guiding and a lot of experience there. As well as, um, for example, I'm German, but I've been 15 years connected to Iceland and I live here. We have other guides who've been for 25, 30 years been guiding in Iceland. So we've tried to provide a very authentic team which knows the country and really loves the country and knows it inside out for once. And we're like traveling for the whole departure with our guests, providing lectures on topics we love and think are worth to pass on. But then also we try to get a little bit more on board. We have Artis, for example, traveling with us. She's an artist, she's a singer. Um, so she always gives the show. She introduces guests to Icelandic folk songs and uh, typical songs. So we try to like put it in the details as well. We have uh, we purchase our food in Iceland. So today we're in Isafjörður. 
as we pointed out. And here we always buy fresh fish. So we have one Icelandic fisherman, Kauri, and we always buy the supply for the cruise we're heading for here. So we try to like put it a little bit in everything, in the food, in the experience. Sometimes we have, oh, we will have tonight an Icelandic beer tasting. So to give you like a bit of taste of everything. So we try, the idea is to bring Iceland on board. So we're not just touching with the harbors Iceland, but we have it on all the journey. Dorothy has a doctoral degree and she previously taught at university. So we had to ask her about her life journey. I'm always fascinated when I meet people who have left academia or the corporate workforce and have found themselves in the travel industry full time. And you, and you also have traveled from Germany to Iceland. So I have a twofold question. How did you choose Iceland? First of all, from moving, uh, moving from Germany, and how did you find yourself in the world of travel? Okay, so um, that's a good question, or two good questions. Let's uh, try to start with the first one. I often say, I did not really find Iceland. I often say Iceland kind of lured me in or found me, even though actually when I was little already I loved to travel to northern countries so I was always attracted by this and when I started studying I made it one of my topics so I went for Scandinavian studies I was uh, in all Scandinavian countries for a longer time but especially Iceland kept like kind of yeah, calling me always back so um, I was an exchange student and uh, once being connected to the university I kept just returning and it just kind of happened and this is the other question how do you leave academia and uh, find yourself in the tourist world I was actually working on a PhD in Icelandic literature and coming for research purposes on scholarships to Iceland and while being connected in these studies they were at this time, the travel industry was growing and they were especially looking at this time for German-speaking guides. And then they came to me, okay, you've been teaching in university, you know, Iceland, you've been traveling privately. Um, what about you can like help us out? And by starting to help them out, I discovered that I actually really loved the job because it brought two worlds for me together. The one where you have like all the background knowledge and you pass on knowledge to people, but also my own passion for being out in nature, being high, hiking myself, or just yeah, experience the landscapes and also being in touch with people. I felt much more connected with other people around me than sitting in the office preparing and then maybe going once in a while and talk to people. So it just started a process where I decided to go to the Icelandic guiding school and become a yeah, certified hiking guide and Iceland guide. And then jobs kept coming. I wasn't even finished there. Then Iceland Pro got in contact and they were looking for active multilingual guides and I gave it one season of a try and now I've been working for them. It's my fourth season here. So, yeah. Now, what sorts of uh, expeditions do you lead for uh, passengers who uh, come on board and take excursions? Um, in Iceland, we try to offer a little bit of, well, everything. Sometimes we have in some areas where it allows hikes. We offer, uh, we try to do half day tours as well if someone doesn't want to spend the whole day in a bus. But as we know that some of the pearls of nature are not that close by, we have also full day excursions. And uh, we try to have put some elements of slow travel in. So one of my favorites is in Seydisfjörður. We go out to a nature reserve there. It's called Skaulanes. It's not really 
a lot of happening, but this place is very special, and normally people come back very happy. So we try to like offer very different things. We normally always have a city walk included. People can just join if they feel like it. And of course, we have our zodiac. So if the weather allows it, and we're in an area and have time, we take them out on a little bit of a cruise. Now you mentioned hiking, and uh, I know you told us offline that that's what your passion. So for the adventure travelers that are listening out there who may actually be traveling around Iceland by car and who are looking for an, a nice hiking adventure, where would you suggest they go? That's a tricky one because you said traveling by car, and actually my favorite spot to hike is not accessible by car. Uh-huh. So um, it, of course, depends how much experience you are. Because even though in Iceland uh, there are no dangerous animals, but nature can be very tricky and often there is no hiking path. You might have a map and a compass or a GPS trail, but you might not see the way. So, um, Or if you think you see a trail, it might just be a sheep's trail because they leave them everywhere. So um, there are a few marked trails which are famous, like uh, Löjavir is one which is a five-day hike, and it has been rated now often in the top ten hikes of the world. So it's getting busy there. Mm-hmm. I would say my favorite area is actually close to where we are now. It's a nature reserve here, Hornstrandir. But you have to get there by boat, so you can make an arrangement where they drop you off, and then you make an agreement where they pick you up again and then you are on your own and uh, of course they're also guided tours in this area so if you are looking for this but this for me is the most beautiful thing going out and not meeting anybody maybe can you can you camp um, in the area that you just mentioned your favorite place are you allowed to camp yeah you're allowed to camp um, basically there are some even though it's a nature reserved marked camping grounds mm-hmm. where you have the well most needed necessities but nothing like fixed um, but if you can't reach us there's another rule if you only with yourself and attend and hiking and the weather doesn't allow you to pass on you're always allowed to camp for one or two nights just wherever it's possible but of course they ask you if possible to get to the marked camping grounds but of course weather can ask you for exceptions Dorothy you have a passion for travel obviously how did that come about for you growing up where did you get that Oh, I don't know. I think I've always been fascinated by other cultures and countries around me. And um, I wouldn't say I was one of the children who, who traveled absolutely a lot, but I was always curious about everything which was different and something new. So I think it kept me going. Um, one place leads to another. And I think if you find your passion in traveling, you never get satisfied. Once you discover something new, you get a new craving for a new destination. I just realized we're, we're moving. <laughs> I didn't realize we were leaving port. Um, but I wanted to ask you, because we know how travel changes us in some way, what have you discovered about yourself from moving here, really, living here and working in the travel industry and doing some of the activities you done have you discovered something new about yourself or made even new discoveries about Iceland during one of your expeditions um well new about myself probably I think the more you see the more you put things in proportion you see other countries other cultures around you so um you constantly define yourself new or maybe you get uh, in a way 
more satisfied, but also more open to everything around you. So I, I just felt that like all this draws more in and uh, my world has become so multinational and I, I absolutely love it. And um, now I forgot the other questions. Ah, about Iceland. Well, living here, of course, shows you the other side. I think many people see Iceland as a very romantic place to be. But if you actually live here full year round, it can also be a very harsh place, especially in wintertime. If you get the storms, it is very dark. Of course, we have sometimes fantastic northern lights, but it's not every night. So I think uh, it's, it's, again, a question of passion. Can you arrange with this? Is your passion big enough to live here? And yeah, how do you cope? Listening to the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world one story at a time. We invite you to travel deeper by visiting our website, worldfootprints.com, and make sure you sign up for our newsletter and receive a special gift. Aboard the Ocean Diamond, we enjoyed the company of our esteemed captain, Hervé Parage, who hailed from Marseille, France. In between navigating the waters around Iceland that were being stirred by Hurricane Dorian, Captain Parage took a break to dine with us and to entertain us with stories about his career and life in Iceland. Captain, I'm very curious always about people who choose to travel and live in Iceland. Why would you go from uh, beautiful Marseille to Iceland? What brought you here and why? what keeps you here? Well, it's uh, natural wonders. You know, Iceland is so wild and the landscape are very rude and you are just, it's an amazing place and of course it's so different uh, on many ways and you have the feeling uh, yeah, that, uh, to be really in the nature mm-hmm. yeah now the ocean diamond is a passenger ship and from what we've gleaned you have captain uh, passenger ships for most of your career what's special about this ship and uh, the crew and everything about its mission well, first of all is the size. It's a small vessel with only 200 guests, and that uh, creates a special atmosphere where you can spend t- more time with each people on board and have a very nice uh, conversation with guests that we cannot have in bigger ship. And second point is also expedition, polar expedition vessel. So you are going in very remote place in small ports, in where all the tall ship cannot, big ship cannot go, so it's very special. And by the way, it's not a cruise. In a cruise, you have the uh, the program with all the ports. Here, we have a program, but all the time we have we assess the condition and we have the plan B and the plan C, and we are just making something uh, tailor-made 
about well, what are the weather conditions, and it's it's not a routine. Now, how long have you been piloting this particular vessel? I've started uh, now. It's uh, two years ago. Before I was on normal cruise vessel, passenger vessels, and it came by the, by kind of accident. I was replacing a friend who was uh, hired by this company, and he, he he was sick at the for one week before and asked me if I just can replace him like that, and it happens like that. Yeah, very very. Yeah. Now the Ocean Diamond, as you mentioned, carries two hundred passengers and. Uh, for the most part, it sails uh, into the inlets of Iceland, and it also circumnavigates Iceland. Uh, give give folks a sense of of what it's like to sail around Iceland on this ship. Well, to sail around Iceland on the ship is uh, a different. Well, it's different feelings that if you can be by land because. Uh, uh, landscape are more dramatic, and we are following some time uh, La Trobiak, uh cliff, and y- you have different feelings. And uh, well, you can have a larger view from uh, the sea. Sure. Um, you mentioned earlier that you've had because this is such a, uh, a more intimate environment and you've met uh, you have the opportunity to meet a lot of the passengers who are some of the most memorable passengers you've had what stories and I know there has to be some really funny stories but uh, what's the most memorable for you yeah for this season I have one lady and uh, she was all the time at the bridge and she has a huge interest for ships and so on. And so we start to have a conversation together. And it was Australian lady, 85 years old, and she's uh, passionate with uh, all vessel. And at the end, she explained to me she was involved in association in Sydney to uh, save a very old vessel from uh, scrap. And uh, they have uh, rebuilt uh, a steam vessel from 1902 and uh, 20 meters long and uh, it was like like a shuttle boat used by the Australian Navy and while she was telling a lot of story about it even once they had uh, Neil Armstrong as a guest on board of this vessel yeah and uh, now uh, I have his we are st- keep in touch I have his email and I, I plan to go to Australia once and uh, I, she told me, and I'm, I will make a cruise on his vessel, but not as a captain. <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned in that story that the bridge is accessible um, to uh, passengers. Uh, speak to uh, that access and what it allows uh, passengers to experience in terms of being on board the Ocean Diamond. Yeah, you know, usually uh, on big big ship, uh, the bridge visits are only uh, in port when out of operation. Then they can realize exactly what is uh, driving a ship. And I've also conversation with the people in charge and have the real uh, action to check uh, the radar, the uh, electronic charts, and to see it live. So it's a privilege because usually, uh, and mainly for safety reasons, it's not allowed. Here it's uh, a special allowance and uh, 
people enjoy it. I, I wanted to ask you um, just about some of the, the places. Now that you live here and you have an opportunity to visit many of the ports, do you have a favorite port? Yeah. Uh, I have two two places, by the way. One is Stikizolmo. It's uh, a very uh, nice place, quite rocky, quite tricky to get in, but... Uh, Uh, it's uh, recall me uh, Brittany in France. Uh, it's uh, yeah, and the other one is uh, Aimé in Vesmania. It's volcanic island, and uh, when you are entering there, it's so so nice. It's a uh, 400 meters cliff, and it's very impressive when you are entering the port of Aimé. If you have the opportunity in the south, go there. It's a wonderful place. In the south, yeah, yeah, exactly in the south of Iceland, near Sudze. If you remember this uh, volcanic Iceland raised up in 1963 from the bottom of the sea, oh, and yeah. it is this place. Okay. And the island of Aimé, it was a volcano in 1973, mm -hmm. uh, erupted and nearly closed the entrance of this port, also, oh. and changed a lot of the landscape. And the lava field nearly uh, closed the entrance of the port, mm -hmm. and during six months. They were spraying with seawater and uh, seawater pumps just to cool the lava and to deviate the flow of the lava and they succeed to keep the entrance of this port. But if you enter there by the sea, it's an amazing place. Yeah, it's wonderful. One of those amazing things that people can experience on board the Ocean Diamond is the Northern Lights. We haven't had a chance to because of the weather, but uh, if one were to be on the ship at the right time with the right conditions, give people a sense of what they'd be able to see. Well, Northern Lights, it's uh, uh, coming from the uh, sun perturbation, and it creates green lights like dancing in the clouds. And sometimes you have the feeling it's, uh, you know, this... Uh, Uh, spotlights to search the planes in the sky and sometimes uh, last night it was like that it was like a, a ray of light dancing and changing slightly color from uh, dark green to nearly pink sometimes and just moving behind the you were thinking it was another vessel searching with a searchlight yeah One of the things that we like to talk about in terms of travel is how travel uh, really transforms you. It, it, it makes you see things differently, uh, maybe gives you insight into your own personality. Um, through your travels, particularly in Iceland, how has that changed you, if at all? Well, it gives you the, the scale. You are so small. Iceland, the feeling is you are very small human and you cannot fight against elements. can be the, well, eels, volcanoes, uh, geothermal, or geysers, and uh, all this, also the weather sometimes, it happens also. As we're experiencing yeah. right now. <laughs> now. Even in spite of that weather, you find uh, ways to try to keep things smooth and comfortable for uh, the passengers on board what are some of the things that you do and your your crew does to ensure uh, um, a, a smooth sail well uh, m most of the time well depending of the forecast and 
basically when it's not uh, so comfortable for the passengers we are just changing the plan it happens last cruise and it was the hurricane dorian no, not anymore classified as hurricane but like a storm but cross all iceland and in south of the iceland it was so uh, it was perhaps 10 meters waves and 50 knots of wind so we decide it was a circumnavigation and then in Uzavik we go to the way back on the west because otherwise the crews have been simply kind of uh, uh, something terrible and only rocking and roaring and passenger will not be able to go ashore and so on so what we, basically what we do is to adapt all the time the program and the crew uh, at the time we are just uh, uh, choosing the routes that to avoid to uh, in the, the, to have too much movement of the vessel and uh, yeah and also it's a small vessel it's uh, only 120 meters so it's safe for the vessel but quickly it's uh, moving along for somebody who has not traveled to iceland what would you tell them? Because people have their own opinions before they get to experience a country. So what would you like to tell people about Iceland? Yeah. I had myself my own uh, idea of Iceland. First, you have to forget ice. Uh, it's not It's not Greenland. It's not uh, North Pole. It's a very green country. Of course, you have glaciers, but basically it's green. And uh, uh, the most amazing place I have seen is the waterfalls. Here it's, uh, um, well, it's ice, it's fire, and it's water. All the you, everywhere you have waterfalls. Some are huge and like uh, you can find in Detifos, Selfos, and but even in a small remote place you have everywhere it's uh, waterfalls. Yeah. It's uh, yes, uh, the most amazing place, waterfalls. You can find a link to Pro Cruises Iceland and the itinerary we took on the show page of our website, worldfootprints.com. After disembarking from the Ocean Diamond, we met our guide, Ausi Hemissen who took us across Iceland in search of trolls, elves, lava, and thermal baths. My name is Ausi, A-S-I, and I'm Icelandic. I'm a guide here in, in Iceland. And we are walking towards uh, Foss or Waterfall of the Gods. And um, I was telling you earlier how the name uh, came by. It's called Waterfall of the Gods. And this is a story that uh, dates back to the year 1000, where Iceland is uh, still an independent country, has its own parliament, uh, has its speaker of parliament. And, and this was after Denmark took over? No, Iceland, oh. Iceland is still, still an independent country. Denmark ah. take, takes over in the, in the 13th uh, uh-huh. century. Um, so we're still ruling ourselves, but um, the king of Norway, mm-hmm. he kind of thought uh, this was his country because most of the settlers here were Norwegian uh, Vikings, if you want. And um, the chieftain that lived in the area here next to Golafoss, his name was very easy to pronounce, Thorgeir Ljósvetningagodi. <laughs> and um, two men came and asked him 
uh, why uh, yeah Iceland he wanted Iceland, they wanted Iceland to be a Christian country or ca- Catholic at that time and he said well I will think about it and the saga tells us that he went under fur or sheep wool for for two days and came out uh, and said yes Iceland is supposed to be a Christian country do you want the three rules as well yes and he had some uh, three rules for the the people of Iceland to abide by the one rule was um, Icelanders were still allowed to uh, eat horse meat because of course there was a lack of meat here and uh, well the Catholic Church banned it in Europe you were uh, allowed to worship your gods uh, if you just didn't tell tell anybody if you kept it a secret gods like who <laughs> yeah uh, well gods like odin and and thor the the oh. pagan gods because mm-hmm. everybody here was pagan at, at that time mm-hmm. and then you were uh, also allowed to to uh, carry out unwanted children so if you were very poor uh, and you knew that your children would die anyway you were allowed to to carry that out because oh. Because then the elves would come and pick him up. So this chieftain, he then uh, rode back here to to the north, and uh, it is said he he got baptized and took his gods, which were wooden statues, and then he threw them into this waterfall. And since then, it's called the waterfall of the gods. And where exactly in Iceland are we located? So we're we're in the north, um, very close to what we call the capital of the north, called Akureyri. It's about a half an hour drive from from Akureyri okay. towards Husavik, which is one of the big bigger places as well. Asi, you've taken us to some really interesting places that seem to traverse um, natural geology and folklore uh, starting with I think the you call them the black castles what can you tell us what those are so the the dark castles or or yeah yeah called the dimmeborgir in in Icelandic so uh, these are some lava formations that uh, came by 2300 years ago where a big lava lake was actually uh, formed in the in the spot we were at and um, it's flowing over a swamp and of course it the damp has to come uh, through somewhere and uh, it kind of formed these uh, chimneys uh, in the in this spot so it's a huge area you you can you can walk for hours in in this area and kind of get lost it's where i lose most of my people if i'm <laughs> if, if i'm traveling so i really have to be careful when i'm when i'm telling people where to walk in there um so they're they're standing there about 60 to 80 meters high and and uh, you're just seeing all kinds of faces of trolls or, or whatever you you kind of want or dragon or or whatever in in the landscape and so the name Dark Castle implies that uh, trolls the, live there. Yeah, well, the trolls or the the elves. Um, uh-huh. Are the elves living inside these castles? I mean, there is something called the Elf Church there. Yes. Uh, and there's uh, also something called the Palace Square, Hatlarflot. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's kind of more related to the elves than the trolls because the the trolls are not the, not this posh having having castles and and palaces or something like that <laughs> now are there dark castles scattered throughout iceland or is this the primary spot no everywhere where you get volcanoes you get uh, lava formations um 
And I mean, there, there, are, there are so many of these lava fields where you kind of get the same feeling, but there's not a spot like this, not, not another spot like this, uh, with these high uh, formations. There's not. And where approximately in Iceland are they? Are they in the, the west, southwest, northwest? So we're now in the, the northeast. We're in the northeast part of the country in something called Miva or Lake Mosquito, which is not the, the it's, a, it's a wrong name for the, the, the place. Well, it's only place. We've talked about that. Um, not far away from Akureyri, where the biggest town in the north. Alsi took us to a field of mud pud and we asked him to explain what those are. So, um, Lake Mivatn is, is a very diverse place. And in some of the spots uh, here, we have magma flowing uh, only about five kilometers underneath. And um, that's not really far when, you, when, you're, when you're thinking about magma, which is 1,200 degrees warm. And all the water that's in between the surface uh, and uh, and us or no and, and the magma, it's kind of uh, rapidly coming up, cooking and cooking one of these mountains that there is here. So that's that's how you get mud pots. Eventually, uh, it you will only have mud in those pools. There were big pools with a lot of water in them. That will evaporate. There will be no more water, and it will kind of disappear and be just. Uh, cooked clay like the rest of the surroundings uh, on that mountain. And the lava won't penetrate then the, the uh, layer of mud? Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> but it could. I mean, we had the last eruption here uh, only a few years ago, 35 years ago. One place that you took us to that confused me a little bit, it was interesting, um, the uh, pseudo-craters. Yes. Why, why is that such a popular tourist spot. I couldn't figure that one out. Oh, because, uh, I mean, it looks like craters. It's a really interesting landscape. Um, you have, again, some, you have some, some lava flowing, and you, it's flowing over water, so the water will cook. And there is a, to make it very easy, there's a lot of bloop going on, actually. A lot of uh, just big explosions. Uh, with with water, and then you get these crater-shaped uh, hills in 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 the landscape, and you have over a thousand of these hills here, and you don't have any spot in the world where you have more uh, of these pseudo craters, and they they look like somewhere on the moon, and that's why uh, your astronauts came to to practice in that particular spot, because they because they look like the moon. Armstrong. Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and yeah, they 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 came here in '67 to to practice, huh. and this is one of the spots they they did. Okay. I think they had like three, four. I don't remember, but mm-hmm. yeah. Only in Iceland. <laughs> in Iceland. Alsi took us to a thermal bath that was smaller than the Blue Lagoon. We asked him how many of these Blue Lagoon alternatives we can find throughout Iceland. There is only the two that uh, have uh, water with so much silica, so much uh, sulfur in it as, as, as these two. But they're, they're not completely uh, alike. There are different um, bacterias in, in both kinds of water, both in the Blue Lagoon and here. Uh, 
But, I mean, there are more and more baths opening up uh, around Iceland because we, you also have in Husavik, there's, there's a bath over there with seawater in it uh, because you can pump up uh, hot seawater there. Um, you also have in the East Fjords, um, really fantastic spot in a lake. Uh, so you have a cold lake, but you're in a warm pool in the lake. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of our bathing culture. You sure. Know? Yeah. Sure. Go swimming in Icelandic means sitting in a hot pot and uh, gossiping a bit. <laughs> <laughs> With a glass of wine. Uh, yes, it's very nice. Yes, especially at those places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of, I think one of the things that really attract people to this country are all of the stories. And you touched on um, a few today, uh, you know, from the, the trolls and the elves. Uh, but you distinguished between elves and hidden people. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, it is a bit hard. Sometimes they, they are talking about in the same sentence as the same people but um, usually you differ between them talking about the hidden people you're usually referring to the hidden children of uh, Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. uh, which is a big story here where where, um, Eve doesn't want to show God her uh, dirty children Um, and God says they are supposed to be forever hidden so these are the hidden peoples uh, while you have the elves, uh, which is believed that they live in a world just like ours, a parallel world to ours. Um, they often show themselves, um, but some people uh, have uh, the capacity to see them at, at times. And we have some special people in Iceland that go and talk to the elves. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm sadly not one of them. I, I, <laughs> I, at least I don't think so. Uh, at least I don't think so. Well, I heard you met you met quite a few when you were a child growing up. You're the, your mother used to. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So where where did those those stories come from? I mean, what how did they originate? The trolls, elves. Um, we talked about the hidden people, but who started these um, fantasies? Well, where they come from, I I actually don't know, but um, I think it's very easy just to look at the landscape. Mm of Iceland and then try to think of a month like January or, or December where we have almost uh, no sunlight. We do have sunlight but it's not that much. I mean there's uh, here in the north you have the, 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 the night is 23 hours so uh, so you have a lot of darkness you have you, you get a lot of imagination looking at all these uh, lava formations. I think you saw today. You, you can see a lot of faces in, in all kinds of nature. If you want to learn more about Iceland, we have some resources on this show page at worldfootprints.com. You know, this was our second time on Iceland, and uh, we're so grateful for the experiences, and we're very uh, grateful for the generosity of Iceland Air for uh, taking us from Dulles Airport to uh, Reykjavik in what I kind of think is record time. Iceland Air is a really nice airline. It's a good airline. They have a a hub there in Reykjavik that connects a lot of uh, North American destinations to Europe. So for those who want to save a little money and make a little stop in Iceland, uh, Iceland Air is certainly a top option. 
Absolutely. Being that this was our second time, did you have any new impressions on Iceland? Because I think for me, I saw some of the same things, but different stories accompanied them. And um, some of my impressions were a little bit different. And maybe because we had more time this time to explore even like Reykjavik, um, and and certainly the fact that we saw new places in Iceland was very impressive to me. Well, we certainly saw a lot more this time around, and um, uh, what I will say is that what struck me most about Iceland is just the geographic diversity in such a small place. You could see grasslands and wetlands next to real uh, volcanic areas, areas that even look like deserts, and then those fjords where uh, we sailed in and out of, and just the opportunity to do the whale watching was remarkable and one of those things that I will never forget about this trip. Mm, Yeah, we actually got up close and and personal, as close as we were, I think, when we were in Alaska several years ago. And that was very, very special. And we can't forget about the food. Oh, my God, the food, the fish was so fresh. It just melted in your mouth. Food is always front and center in Iceland, and even though they have to import certain kinds of vegetables and things like that, what they do well with fish is uh, pretty remarkable, and so uh, you can't go wrong there. And I think one of my favorite things about this trip, too, were the people that we met, people who had uh, moved to Iceland from other areas like Captain Paraj and Dorothy, many, many others, and, um, and certainly the Icelandic people, the naturalized citizens, beautiful, beautiful people. And among some of my favorite people were the German journalists that traveled with us. And I want to share a story from one of those journalists, and we're going to do this in lieu of the inspiring travel quote that we normally share at the end of this show and allow you to hear about Iceland from the words of our good friend, German journalist, Matthias Begalt. One of the most wonderful things about travel are all the people we meet. And we met Matthias, our new friend Matthias, on our trip to Iceland. And he introduced us to this Kex Hostel House, where we are now sitting having uh, some libations. And Matthias has some very interesting um, perspectives on Iceland that we have asked him to share. Yeah, I'm, I'm touched by the barren lava landscapes. It's, uh, um, I think it's um, an yeah, uh, honest mixture of roughness and melancholy. And I like this clarity of Iceland. This, cu- this country doesn't wear makeup. And, um, and I think the people of Iceland have a special team spirit because uh, they are living in the middle of the North Atlantic and far away from continental Europe and the U.S., and you can feel that here. Thank you for traveling with us today. Please invite your family and friends to join us on these journeys because we go to incredible places, as you've just heard. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we always enjoy connecting you to the world, one story at a time, on World Footprints. 
This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tonya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. And be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.